Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Amen. Well, let's jump in the word. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather with your people. Even though we're spread apart and in different cities and states and nations, I thank you that because we're gathered in your name, you are right there in the midst of us. So we believe we're going to experience more of your presence right now, experience more of your love, and experience more of your word. Father, I need your help. I only want to say what I hear you say. I only want to do what I see you do so that Jesus may be glorified, lifted high, may famous in our lives. Holy Spirit, I turn this time over to you. Cause hearts to be transformed forever by the power of the Word and the power of the Spirit. I pray that no one leaves this experience the same. But we're transformed because of the power of the Word and the power of the Spirit. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and say it with me. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. Now, open with me once again to Colossians. Last week, we started our verse-by-verse Bible study of the book of Colossians. Now, there's different methods to study the Bible, and the one we're going through right now is the verse-by-verse study of the book of Colossians, and so In our introduction last week, we gave a lot of history and background of the book and some key themes and elements you should know of. I won't do much review today, so I encourage you to go to the Faithless app or watch on YouTube or Facebook Live and listen to that, take notes, and we'll build on it today. Colossians chapter 1, we'll pick up just where we left off. Verse 6. Which is coming to you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit, as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. So before we go to Colossians, let's go back to Mark 4, what we had referenced. And we're just going to look at verse 20 last time. This time, we looked at verses 13 through 20 last time. But I want you to keep the scripture in your mind as we keep working through chapter 1. Mark 4, verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So these categories are different levels of productivity of the word. This group, all of them produced, but they had different levels, some thirty times, some sixty times, and some a hundred times. So back to Colossians chapter one. So keep that in the back of your mind as we go forward. Verse 6 again, which is coming to you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace, the gift of God in truth. Now, how do they learn the gift of God in truth? Because of the ministry of Epaphras. They, under, they received the grace of God. They received the gift of God. They received the unmerited favor of God. They were born again. And the word had been bringing forth fruit in their lives since they received God's gift of salvation. They received the grace of God. Verse 7. As you also learn of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, 
who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. One of the things we talked about last week is how the first few verses, we see how Paul has already been validating what Epaphras has been teaching. As we shared last week, this is not a church that Paul started personally. This was started through the ministry of Epaphras. He evangelized the areas of Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. And he started these churches under the direction of Paul. And so a lot of these people in these churches have never seen Paul in person. Some of them have heard of his ministry from Ephesus. Some of them may have gone to Ephesus and heard him preach. Some of them were friends of his, like Philemon and Epaphras and a few others. But most of the church had to see him face to face. Laodicea and Colossae, a lot of the people here had never seen Paul in person. And because of some of the attacks that are coming, and we'll talk about a few of those attacks, the philosophical attacks that were coming against the church, they were challenging the teaching they had received of Epaphras. And now Paul, once again, is validating not just the ministry gift of Epaphras, but also the teaching. Remember, he just said, you received the grace of God in truth. So what you heard was the truth. And then before, remember verse 5, before the word of truth of the gospel. He's emphasizing what you heard is true. It is the good news. It is the gospel. It is the gift of God. Now we talked about Epaphras by name for the first time, verse 7. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear. What does that mean? Our beloved. We love him. He's close to us. He's precious to us. Extra validation coming from Paul and Timothy. Because notice he's, it says our. So he's referring to Paul and Timothy at least. As well as other people you'll see at the end of chapter 4. All the other people who are sending their greetings. So he's dear to us. Fellow servant. What does it mean? Fellow servant. He is a servant of Jesus. He's a minister of the gospel just like us. So notice the validation. Paul's saying, just like I'm a fellow servant, just like I'm a servant, just like Timothy's a servant, so is Epaphras. He's with us. Notice the validation he's putting on. Who is for you a faithful minister of Christ? And now he's directed what Epaphras has done in Colossae. And also referenced Laodicea and Hierapolis. He was faithful in his assignment. He was faithful in his ministry. He was faithful in carrying out what the Holy Ghost gave him to do. And so if anybody had questions since Epaphras has been gone to go see Paul in person, this letter is saying that he is faithful and he was faithful to the task the Holy Ghost gave him. And he's a faithful minister of Christ. He's a fellow servant with us. He's dear to our hearts, and he's a faithful minister of Christ. Just like Paul identified himself in verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, Epaphras is a faithful minister of Christ. And so once Epaphras got to Rome, where Paul was in his first imprisonment of Rome, notice what he said. He declared, who also declared unto us, your love in the Spirit. So one of the things Epaphras began to share with Paul about what was going on in the church at Colossae was how well they loved people, how well they loved each other, that this wasn't just human love or fickle love, sometimey love. This was love produced by the Holy Ghost. It was the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost, the church of Colossae had allowed the Holy Ghost to move in their hearts so that love was flowing from them. You know, this is the second time Paul is talking about their love walk. Because remember, he said earlier, he talked about their faith, their hope or their expectation, and their love that they have to all the saints. So this church must have been walking in some degree of love if Paul has already mentioned their love walk twice in only eight verses. 
And so we see this love came from the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is always working in your heart for love to flow. Remember, God is love. Jesus, that means Jesus is the son of love. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. So the spirit of love is working in your heart so that love can flow through you. And he can love all people, even the most unlovable. You know, one of the things I understand about the love of God is the love of God has already been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit. There's love in your heart. Now it needs to be developed. It needs to grow. It needs to flow. But you already have the ability on the inside of you to love the most unlovable person. Now you become more perfected or more mature or more grown up in love. As First John says, the love in you can grow up and mature. And it can get to a place where it can flow from you. People can experience the love of God just by being in your presence. And so this is what the Holy Spirit is bringing out of these saints. The love of God is flowing. And that should be one of your beliefs, one of your confessions, one of your goals for the love of God to flow through you because you've allowed the Holy Spirit to work in your heart to such an extent that the love of God flows through you and you're known for your love. Verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it. Because remember, skim back to verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have for the saints. But we heard of your faith and for your love. And reminded them, since we heard of your love, for this cause, because we heard of your faith and your love. He talked about their hope, but he says, because of your faith and your love, we do not cease to pray for you. So he said, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. So he says, every single day we are praying for you. And to desire, this is what we're wanting to accomplish in our time of prayer. That you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So notice if you can be filled or complete in knowledge, you can be lacking or have a lower level of it. So he's praying that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will. So this is the second time Paul's mentioning the will of God. Because remember in verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. So now he's praying that this church be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. This is precise, accurate, exact knowledge. But on top of this, on the first level, when you also understand some of the things we shared last week, that Paul is writing this letter, one of the reasons is to combat certain philosophical teachings that are attacking the church, that are coming against the believers. And one of them is Gnosticism. Gnosticism. Now, just to give you a little bit about Gnosticism, we're not going to go all the way into it today. We'll get more of it next time. That Gnosticism was a heresy that plagued the early church for the first 200 years of its existence. Gnosticism was a heresy that plagued the early church for the first 200 years of its existence. The word Gnosticism is derived from the Greek word meaning knowledge. The Gnostics separated matter from thought. To them, all the secrets of God were in the mind and immaterial. This false doctrine, this heresy, this heretical teaching led to two extremes. Asceticism or unrestrained fleshly indulgence. Asceticism or unrestrained fleshly indulgence. The false teaching caused them to be extreme on one side or the other, and both sides were wrong. And so while Paul is saying that you might be filled with the knowledge. It's combating what the Gnostics were teaching, what the Gnostics believed, saying that they had this secret knowledge, this immaterial knowledge, that they had the knowledge. But Paul is saying, I'm praying that you 
won't be filled with the knowledge of God. Now, if you're filled with the knowledge of God, if you're complete in the knowledge of God, you won't yield to this false heretical teaching of the Gnostics. Notice it goes on to say, and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. All wisdom. And see, wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. So one of the things these Gnostics would do, and some other opponents we'll look at later, they would say, take this knowledge and misappropriate and say, you know, okay, you have to abstain for everything, or you give in to everything, or you have to keep these feasts and keep the Sabbath and do all these different things, all these different things, trying to apply the knowledge they had received. And he says, no, I'm praying that you have all wisdom so that you can apply the knowledge you've received correctly. Epaphras preaching and teaching and giving the word of the truth and the gospel and the gift, the gift or the grace of God and truth been ministering unto them has given them a lot of knowledge, revelation knowledge. And now Paul is praying that they will have wisdom so they can apply it correctly. And spiritual understanding. What is that? Comprehension. Comprehension, not just with your mind, but with your spirit. You don't just know it, but you get it, and you can't apply it. You know, Proverbs is big on understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. And you can study Proverbs see why that's important. And this is what Paul is praying that they receive. Notice, what is them, what it will be called? What would happen if they fill with the knowledge of God's will, and they're able to correctly apply it, and they comprehend it? They will be able it's tilt what is praying, that they can walk differently or they can live differently. So he prays that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That you may be able to live this thing out because you have the wisdom, because you have the knowledge, because you have the understanding. I pray that you may walk worthy unto the Lord unto all pleasing. That you can live in a way that delights the Lord. Notice he refers to him as the Lord again, as we talked about last week which means supreme in authority. Remember, one of the central themes of this book is the supremacy or the preeminence of Christ. So he says that you can live in a way that pleases the supreme in authority, that you live in a way that pleases Christ, that he's happy with the way that you live. This is what he's praying. You know, one of the things I, you know, when I lead my daughters in prayer every night, I have them pray with me. You know, Father, help us live a life that makes you happy. And that's what this verse is saying, that we live worthy and live a life worthy of the supreme authority, living in a way that pleases him, that makes him happy. Notice the next part of the verse, being fruitful in every good work. Notice where I'm praying that you're fruitful in every good work. Now, some people would be happy if they're fruitful in just a few good works. But it says, every good work, every good thing you do, I want it to produce for you. Which means, as we said briefly before, there are levels to production and fruitfulness. You know, Genesis, well, let's look at it. Go to Genesis chapter 1, and then we'll go back to Mark 4 and go back to Colossians. Genesis 1. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish, or fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. 
although this was his original commandment to Adam and Eve, God still expects the believer to be fruitful today. And it's not just talking about having children. It's talking about producing what God has called you to produce. We are called to be fruitful. Go ahead and type it in if you're watching somewhere you can comment. I have been called to be fruitful. So I've, call, I've been called to produce. See, a lot of times we get into a consumer mentality when God has called us to produce. So go back to Mark 4. You are called to produce. You are called to be fruitful. And we're not going to dive into Mark 4 again. I encourage you to listen to what we talked about last week or go back to a series we did last year called Soul Wars. You can find it on the Faith Plus app. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So there are levels to your fruitfulness. So you could be a person who's producing maybe fivefold and eventually get up to thirtyfold. That's pretty good. That's a lot better than those who are producing nothing. And we looked at those groups last week. But then you can get up to sixtyfold. Man, you can get up to hundredfold. You can, your fruitfulness can increase. And that's what Paul's praying that their fruitfulness increases so they're fruitful in every good work and every good thing they do, it bears fruit. So there's nothing that they do that is barren. There is nothing that they do that is not productive. He is praying for such a productivity in their life that no matter what they sow, what they work on, what they do, it produces. And you're able to do that as you walk in the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, and have spiritual understanding and you walk worthy of the Lord and live in a way that pleases God or makes him happy. So being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So he says being filled with the knowledge of his will, but now he says I want you to be filled with the exact knowledge, the accurate knowledge of who God is and the knowledge that he has. So, you know, not going into what all these Gnostics are teaching, all the secret knowledge they have. I'm praying that you will be filled with the knowledge of who God is, that you have the intimate, exact, accurate knowledge of who God is, and you can experience it for yourselves. Always increasing, increasing. So it's not you increase one time, you increase on Sunday, but on a daily basis, a regular basis, you are increasing the knowledge of God that you understand him and know him better each and every day. What also is he praying? That you would be strengthened with all might. Because in order to live the way God wants you to live, to live a way that makes you happy, to walk worthy, to be fruitful in every good work, you're going to need some strength. You're going to need some energy. You're going to need something that keeps you going. So he's praying that you'll be strengthened with all might. So the thing is, now you have the strength to live this life with all might according to his glorious power. So where is this might coming from? The glorious power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He says, all I'm praying that you're strengthened with all might that flows from that glorious power. So this is not just human might and human willpower and human energy. There is power available to you from God. The might and the strength and the force you need that flows from the power of God and you're strengthened with it. So you're strengthened with all might that flows from the glorious power of God. Well, how much can you be filled with it? How much room you have? You can be strengthened to a point like, you know, if I charge my phone, it's on a low battery right now, 
but if I plug it in for maybe, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, it'll charge to 100%. And it's strengthened with all the might that it can take. It can't go to 110%. It can't go to 125%. It can't take that much power, but it'll take all the power that it can. Now, there are different vehicles that run on electricity, and they can charge for more hours, and they put out more power than this. So it's strengthened with all might according to the amount of power you can receive. So whatever you need, whatever level of power, supernatural energy you need, it's available to you, and you can be strengthened with it today. You cannot exhaust the reservoirs of the power of God. You cannot exhaust the reservoirs of the glorious power of God. You can lay hold to it, you can grab it, and you can be strengthened with it so that you're filled with all might. To whatever your capacity is, you are filled, and you're able to live a life that pleases God, a life that makes God happy, a life worthy of the supreme and authority, and you can be fruitful in every good work, and you can keep increasing in the knowledge of God. You can know exact knowledge of God's will for your life, and you grow in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice, strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering. Notice what this power in your life will do. All patience and long-suffering. No, patience and long-suffering, they're fruit of the Spirit. So one of the ways to say it, because patience and long-suffering, they have similar meanings. It's double patience. So he's emphasizing something here. What is it? Another word translated for patience, endurance. Other translations say that you may have all endurance and all patience. So if you have all endurance and patience, you don't give up when the going gets tough. You don't give up when the pressure comes. You don't give up when these opposing philosophies and doctrines come against you. You stand strong. So Paul is praying that they'll be strengthened with all the might that comes from God's glorious power, and they'll be strengthened to a place where they can operate in all patience and all endurance, all long suffering, that they're able to endure with a cheerful attitude. That's one of the things about patience. It's not just enduring. It's enduring with a cheerful attitude. You know, you've seen some people go, oh, I'm going through, and you can tell before they even open their mouth they're going through because they look on their face. But there's an endurance available to a believer that even if they're going through tough times, even if they're going through pressure, even if they're going through drama, they can go through with joy because they know they're going through and there's something good on the other side. This is the type of endurance and patience and long-suffering that's available to you. That's why he ends it with joyfulness. Joyfulness. Joyfulness is not an emotion that's dependent on your circumstances. You, happiness can be dependent on your circumstances, but joyfulness, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, but it's joyfulness, so you're filled with joy. So that means you can be filled with joy even if you're at home and you can't leave your house. You can be filled with joy even if you're an essential worker. You can be filled with joy even if you're in a season or circumstance where everybody tells you you should be depressed. You should be down. So joyfulness is not based on outside circumstances, but it's based on inside decisions of tapping into the Spirit of God because the fruit of the Spirit is one of the things the Holy Spirit's creating in us and our born-again and recreated spirit. And so we can have this fruit of endurance or patience with joyfulness because we've been strengthened with all might. So from the power of God, you being strengthened from the power of God will give you endurance, it'll give you patience, and it will give you joy. The power of God brings joy. You operating by the power of God will give you endurance and strength. Praise God. Now he's finished his prayer and now he gives thanks for them. 
What is he thanking God for them for? Giving thanks unto the Father. Once again, this second time him referring to uh, God as their Father. Which has made us meet or able. So I thank God that he made us able to be partakers or sharers in or partners in of the inheritance of the saints in the light. God has made us able to partake or participate in the inheritance of the saints in the light. You have an inheritance. Yes, you have some inheritance waiting for you in heaven, but you have an inheritance with you right now, and you have an inheritance in you right now. One of the things I said last week is that Colossians and Ephesians are twin letters. That if you want to understand some more of the concepts talked about in Colossians or Ephesians, you should read both letters. They are written at the same time as Philemon. So these three letters went out at the same time. Colossians and Ephesians were actually delivered by the same messenger. So these went out at the same time, so they include revelations, that revelation that works together and gives you a fuller understanding. So that we can see a little bit more about this inheritance, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 just for a brief moment. And then we'll get back to Colossians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In whom also we have obtained, past tense, so that means we already have it, an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Then let's skip down to verse 18. This is what I'm teaching on Ephesians tonight. This is one of the things he's praying for the church at Ephesus. It's like he's praying for the church at Colossae. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling or his invitation, and what are the riches or the abundance of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So this inheritance that God has given you that you've obtained has an abundance or wealth of glory, and it's on the inside of you. Well, who is the riches of the glory? Who is the abundance of the glory? Well, who is part of your inheritance? The Holy Ghost. He's part of your inheritance. One of the things you learn in Ephesians chapter 1 is that the Holy Spirit has been given to you as a down payment of what's waiting for you in heaven. And so you can receive so much and walk so much with him on earth, but that's only a foreshadowing of what's waiting for you in heaven. The glory you experience on earth, it's only a foreshadowing of what God has for you in heaven. So part of the inheritance, there's more to it, but part of the inheritance you receive is the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life, him working with you and through you and in you. So God has made us to be able to be partake in the working and the fellowship and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, of the saints in the light. Notice what God also did. He gives God thanks because he's delivered us from the power of darkness, the authority of darkness. So, you know, once again, you have to begin to understand a lot of the peoples in this church, not all of them, but most of them were Gentiles. Not all of them were Jews. Most of them were Gentiles. So they came from a life where they worshiped the Greek and Roman gods. They worshiped all these gods and participated in all these activities of darkness. And there's a whole lot of darkness that was associated with these religious practices. And so now that they understand that they're in the light, because he just said they're saints in the light, they understand where they used to come from was darkness. And in a lot of those things, there were different opponents and spiritual forces of darkness with them. And they could be concerned that those dark things that they used to participate in and live in could have control over the life today. And Paul says, I thank God because he delivered us, past tense, 
from the power. That word power there means authority. He delivered us from the authority of darkness, which means darkness cannot control the children of God. Satan can't make you do anything. Yes, Christians, believers, saints alike can yield to Satan and let him have his way in their life and yield to his suggestions and yield to his influence, but Satan can't make you do anything. The kingdom of darkness cannot make you do anything because it does not have authority over you. You have been rescued. That's what the word delivered means. You've been snatched from danger from the authority of darkness, and you have been translated. Come on, what does translated mean? Think about Star Trek. You got beamed up out of the kingdom of darkness. And Scotty beamed you down into a new kingdom. The kingdom of his dear son. You know, he could have just easily called it the kingdom of light, as we see it in other scriptures. But he calls it the kingdom of his dear son. You can translate it, the kingdom of the son he loves, or the kingdom of the son of his love. Emphasize it. You've been rescued from the authority of darkness. And you've been placed in the dominion of the son of his love. Once again, central theme, Christ and his preeminence. Christ, one the father loves. And you're in Christ. That's what he told them in verse 2. Remember, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, if they're in Christ, they're in the love of God. They're in the dominion of the kingdom of love. They've been translated and placed in to this kingdom of love. In whom? Who? Jesus, the son of his love, the preeminent one, the one who is the central theme of this book. In him we have redemption through his blood. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. You know, one of the things the Bible pictures redemption in this way, that mankind, when Adam sinned, was sold into the slave market of sin with their master being the devil. And when man sinned, Satan demanded that all men die. They were enslaved by the fear of death and they were bound to their sins. But when Jesus, the second Adam, came and he died and rose again, he declared that all men be given a choice. And so what did Jesus do? He opened the slave market of sin so anybody at any time can walk out of the slave market of sin by putting their faith in Jesus, the second Adam, who paid the price for what the first Adam did and what every man and woman has done since then, every sin. He paid the full price. So we've been redeemed. We've been bought back from the slave market of sin. We've been bought back from the authority of sin. We've been bought back from his control. And how we're redeemed through or by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has redeemed us. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So it should stay on your mind and your mouth that you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And if Jesus redeemed you from it, it shouldn't have to bother you anymore. You said, I'm redeemed from my sins. That means I'm not going to live in sin. I've been redeemed from sickness, so I'm not going to take sickness. I've been redeemed from the curse, so I'm not going to live curse. Whatever you've been redeemed from, you need to talk about it and live that way because it's available to you. And notice what says next. So in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. Now, we've made forgiveness a spiritual term, but it's also a financial term. It's the cancellation of debts. So not only has God forgiven us, he's canceled the debt we owed. Because remember, the wages of sin is death. Sin always comes with a price tax. Sin always comes with a punishment. But notice what happened. Jesus canceled our debt. Jesus canceled the price we should have paid because he paid it for us. He forgave us our 
And so that's what Paul's saying. That's what I give thanks for. I give thanks that we're partakers of the inheritance of the light. I give thanks that we've been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and his inheritance. I give thanks that we've been delivered from the authority of darkness. I give thanks that we've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. I give thanks that we're translated to the kingdom of the son of his love. I give thanks that we have forgiveness of sins. He's thank thankful for that for himself as well as for the church of Colossians. And in his gratitude, in his praise, he's reminding the Colossians of their identity. They have an inheritance. They're in the light. They've been redeemed. They've been translated. They've been delivered and rescued and snatched from the danger of the authority of darkness. Their sins have been canceled. They've been done away with. God does not remember them anymore. He's not holding them against them. Now, even David said in the Old Testament, blesses the man whom God does not impute sin to or iniquity to. This group is experiencing all that grace from God. So in their praise, in Paul's praise, he's reminding them of their identity, which is important as you go through the next few chapters and understand the attacks of the enemy coming against them. Some were the attacks on one side from Gnosticism. Others were attacks on the other side for, for them to be true Christians. They would have to start keeping the law. There were different attacks was going to try to make them leave the gift or the grace of God. And so what did Paul do here? In the very opening, he's reminding them of their identity. He's prayed for them that they will receive the exact knowledge of God's will for their life and all wisdom so they can apply it and spiritual understanding so they can get it. He's prayed that they walk worthy of the Lord, that they live in a way that pleases God, a way that makes God happy. He's prayed all these different things for them. And he says, this one I'm praying for you every single day. He's praying that they're strengthened with all might unto the glorious power, the might that flows from God's power. And to all endurance and patience so they don't give up just because the going gets tough. They don't give in to the persuading philosophies of men. And he prays that they endure with joyfulness so they won't lose their joy, but they'll be filled with joy. You know, one of the things about that prayer and you know, a lot of people watch right now are part of our Faith Christian Center family, whether locally or just part of our online campus. And some of you may be new watching or this, you haven't been part of us this long. I encourage the entire church to pray for themselves, for this church, and for me, their pastor, these prayers every day. The Ephesians 1 prayer, the Ephesians 3 prayer, this Philippi, uh, the Philippians 1 prayer, and this Colossians 1 prayer we just broke down a little bit. Because this is a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer given to us in Scripture, praying for the church of God. So the thing is, you can pray that way for yourself and get the same results the church of Colossae were getting as Paul prayed that prayer for them. So I encourage you, if you don't do that on a regular basis, start doing that now. Pray that Colossians 1 prayer that we just broke down for you, the Philippians 1 prayer, the Ephesians 1 prayer, and the Ephesians 3 prayer. Pray that for yourself every single day. It will produce for you just like it was producing for Paul. Amen. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you for this time we had in the Word. I thank you for the understanding we received. I thank you for our eyes being open, our ears being open, our heart being open to receive from you. Now help us not just to be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word, so we bless in our doing. And I pray for all those on the sound of my voice, whether watching live or on a replay, I pray that you will fill us with the knowledge of your will. 
with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we may walk worthy of your Lord to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthen with all might unto your glorious power, with all long suffering and patience with joyfulness. I thank you that you made us partakers of the heritage of the saints of the light. You delivered us from the power of darkness. You translate us to the kingdom of the Son of your love, where we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I thank you for it, and I give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.